They have some exciting stuff. You can take a seat. And congratulations, Heather. That's awesome to witness. Hey, my name is Mark. Uh, if you're new with us this morning, uh, I'm the director of Next Steps here, and my role is just to help you get connected into serving and grouping and, and taking whatever next step you may need to take in your walk with Jesus. And so if you need help with that, just reach out to us here at the church. We'd love to talk with you about what your next step might be. If you're on campus this morning, it's awesome to see you in person. If you're online, thank you for joining us there as well. I would encourage you to engage with your host this morning, with the others that you're attending church with. It's okay to engage with them throughout today's service. Question for you, raise your hand if you use Pinterest. Raise your hand if you ever get on Pinterest. Now, I only see about one guy's hand up, okay? And, I, and it's okay. Uh, in fact, Paul wrote, there's no condemnation in Christ. I'm pretty sure I'm using that out of context, but it'll work, okay? So raise your hand, guys. It's okay if you use Pinterest, all right? I do, right? There's some great things you can look at there and learn uh, some things to do in your home. If you're building a new home, if you're remodeling or upgrading, you're like, hey, this is a really cool project. You can learn some cool things on Pinterest. And one of the popular trends that we see on Pinterest is restoring things, right? We see people take a piece of furniture or an antique and they strip away some of the layers that have built up over the years and they restore it to its original purpose. It's a beautiful process. People love to watch restoration projects and videos and you know, sometimes it can be a little painful and tedious, right, to remove some of those layers and to get it back to its original beauty, but it's usually inspiring and very special when you do. And isn't that what we've been doing the last few weeks? We've been in a series called Restore, where we've been looking at trying to restore our faith back to the essentials, taking it back to its original beauty. For some of us, uh, stripping away some of the dogma and the tradition and the practices that we've layered on top of our faith that sometimes can get in the way. And for, for me, it's been a beautiful series. It's been a beautiful process. I hope you've been encouraged by it. If you've missed any Sunday in our Restore series, I think it would be well worth your time to go back and watch any of the sermons that you've missed. Go to our website, pull up the previous messages and watch those back. Some really important practical truths uh, that help us just to get back to the essentials of our faith, the essentials of what the early church was doing that we see in the book of Acts. And maybe for some of you, this series has been a little more painful for some, depending on how many layers you've had to kind of peel back. But I hope you're doing that in a healthy way and talk to us and let us know if we can assist in any way. But if you navigate Pinterest, you probably also see a different trend, and it's not restoring things, it's actually repurposing them. It's taking something that originally was used for one thing and then using it for something else. Here's the definition of repurpose. To use something for a different purpose than what it was originally intended. And maybe the best way to illustrate this is just to give you some examples. Maybe you've dabbled in this. Some people take baby cribs and turn them into benches. Uh, some people take doors and turn them into bookshelves. Uh, some people take old pallet wood and they turn it into wall decor. And every guy in this room is now frustrated with me because they're going to go home and their wife's going to say, why can't you turn our baby crib into a bench? Okay, good luck. You know, go to Pinterest and see if you can find a, a video, a how-to video. Right, it's a popular trend where you take something that originally was gonna be used for one purpose and you give it a different purpose. You kind of breathe new life into it. It's not restoring it, 
It's taking its flaws, its current condition, and kind of repurposing that for a new thing. And as I got to thinking through that, I thought, you know, God's a masterful repurposer, isn't he? The the best repurposer is God, because he can take anything and turn it into something new. He can breathe new life into things. And this morning, I want to look at how God can repurpose you for his glory. He can repurpose some of the things in your life and give new meaning to it. And we first find, and God God says this a lot in his scripture, that I'll make something new, but I want to kind of zero in on a passage that, that comes from the book of Jeremiah. And if you're new to the Bible, Jeremiah is a prophet in the Old Testament. A prophet was basically somebody that God would speak to, and then they would take what God said and share that with other people. I was a prophet. And Jeremiah is one of those prophets that God would use to communicate some truth to his people. And listen to what God tells Jeremiah in chapter 18. The scripture is going to be on the screen. So just follow along here. Here's what God tells Jeremiah. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I'll give you a message. So I, Jeremiah, went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of a potter, so you are in my hand, Israel. And so God is speaking to Jeremiah. He wants Jeremiah to take this message to his people and say, hey, I can redeem you, I can repurpose you, I can restore you. And so that's the original context. God's revealing something about himself that was true for the people then, but is also true for us now. What was God revealing to his people? What was God telling Jeremiah to share with others in a simplified version? I think he was trying to tell them he can repurpose anything. Just like that artist is shaping that pot that turns out to be kind of wonky, he just remakes it and turns it into something new, repurposes that clay for something new. If you're scholarly, uh, you'll notice the name Matthew Henry. He's a famous uh, biblical commentator, and his commentary on this verse says this. He said, God has both an incontestable authority and an irresistible ability to form and fashion. I love the way he says that. That's what he says God is revealing about himself to Jeremiah and then also to us, that God has both an incontestable authority and an irresistible ability to form and fashion. He is a creator. Like a skilled tradesman can take something and repurpose it, so too God can take our lives and repurpose them. But here's a question for you to consider this morning. Do you believe that's true? Do you believe what God said to Jeremiah? Do you believe he can take whatever's happened in your life and repurpose it for something new? Do you believe that he can reshape you? Do you believe he can repurpose your mistakes, your failures, even your victories? And maybe you're listening, you're like, I do believe that. And you know why? Because I've experienced it. 
Maybe for some of you, you've, you've experienced God taking your sin and your shame and your guilt and your failures and turning that into something beautiful that he is using to accomplish his work. Maybe you've personally experienced that. And if you have, share that with somebody. Don't sit on that story. Let it be used to tell about God's goodness. And yet, some of you might be listening and think, I do believe that. I do believe God can repurpose anything with that person over there, not just, but not with me. I assent, I agree, yes, God can do whatever he wants, but not with me. Because you see, I'm different from everyone else. Maybe you hear what God says there and think, yeah, that's true, but my sin is way too great. There is no way he can take the sins that I've committed in this life and do anything beautiful from that. Maybe for you, the the shame of that sin is just so embarrassing. There's no way God will ever be able to do anything to offset the embarrassment you would feel sharing your story with someone else. Maybe for you, the guilt that you fear, that, that, that you carry, it's just too much to be forgiven. It's unforgivable. There's no way God can forgive me for what I've done. He can do whatever he wants with those people over there, but not with me because I'm too messed up. In fact, maybe some of you are like, my life is just too ordinary. I'm not that interesting. I get up, I go to work, I go home. There's nothing God can do with just an ordinary person like me. Maybe some of you feel that way. And if you do, I wanna introduce you to a character from the book of Acts. Now we're gonna be in Acts chapter uh, nine this morning. If you have your Bible and you wanna turn to that, or if you've got an app you wanna use, that'd be fine. We're gonna be in... Acts chapter nine. But I wanna introduce you to a character whose name was Saul and then gets turned into Paul. Some of you will be familiar with this story. It won't be your first time hearing this, but come with it maybe with an open heart and maybe see what God could reveal to you this morning. I think maybe Saul would probably feel similar to some of you, that his sin was pretty great, his shame pretty monstrous, his guilt, I would imagine, pretty heavy, and yet God's gonna do something extraordinary in Paul. And so we're gonna pick up in Acts chapter nine, and Acts has really been our key text, our key book for this whole Restore series. So let me tell you about Paul. Paul is a guy who basically spread the gospel across an entire continent through most of, middle, uh, most of the Middle East, and then he took the gospel to Europe, right, to Rome. He spread the gospel. He planted dozens of churches. He mentored young preachers. I mean, he he is a master missionary. He was eventually beheaded by the Romans because of his love for Jesus, but not before he had planted dozens of churches, trained up young leaders, and wrote a theological dissertation that we now know as the book of Romans. And yet that's not always who Paul was. In fact, when Paul is first introduced to us in the book of Acts, he's called Saul. And he's really introduced as a hyper-religious Pharisee committed to murder. That he's committed to murdering the people who follow Jesus. So think about this. He's once a murderer, this religious zealot, who then becomes a messenger of hope and truth. Something must have happened in between there. Something must have happened that changed his life. Something must have happened where God repurposed those things. That's what we're going to read about in Acts chapter 9. So you can follow along. Acts 9, starting in verse 1. 
It says, meanwhile, Saul, which will become Paul, was still breathing out murderous threats. Now, a little context here, still breathing out murderous threats. That's because previously he actually had allowed people to murder a guy named Stephen. He held their coats while they killed him. So it's kind of one of those classic, they killed him, not me sort of things. But he was standing there just like agreeing with it. So he's still breathing out murderous threats. People knew this guy was capable of murder. He's, he's doing this against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's what the early Christians called their 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 path, the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul were speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. For three days, he was blind. All right, this is the moment in, in Paul's life where God gets a hold of him and changes him and says, I'm gonna turn you into something new. Do you have a road to Damascus moment in your life? Can you think back in your life and can you identify a moment in time where God got a hold of you? He did something in your life. Maybe it wasn't a miraculous blinding light from heaven that radically transformed your life, but there's this moment in time you can look back and say, God was doing something in my life and he was teaching me something about him. I think maybe he was starting to repurpose me. Do you have a moment like that? I know for me, one of mine is 2006. November of 2006, I was driving home uh, for Thanksgiving. The problem was I was leaving a party and I had been drinking, so I was drinking and driving and headed home because I knew if I didn't get home, my mom was gonna possibly kill me for not being at Thanksgiving the next morning. I'm driving home and I drive up to a roadblock and I have to get out and they do the field test and I barely passed. Truth is, I probably failed, uh, but the officer knew my parents and so there was a, maybe a little leniency there. But I remember driving home the rest of the way in tears, realizing that this could quickly become who I might become. Right, driving home and thinking, is this really what I wanna become? Do I wanna become the guy who's scared of police because I'm drinking and might end up in jail? Or do I want something different for my life? And it was a quick turn at that moment. God used that moment to, to change me. It wasn't the road to Damascus, it was a road, road to the roadblock, but God used it and changed my life. Do you have one of those moments where God got a hold of you? Now skip ahead a little bit in Paul's story. So he's blinded by the light. Uh, he's three days blind. He's in the city. God sends a messenger to go help him. And look at what Paul does immediately once his blindness has been healed. Verse 20, at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of God. Think about this. Three days prior to this moment, he was on the road to that city to look for men and women to take to prison to have murdered for following Jesus. And now he's standing in the church saying, you gotta follow Jesus. That's some massive change, would you agree? 
God really shook him in that moment. He's going to repurpose Paul's entire life. It's a, a fork in the road, so to speak. So he goes, he transforms Paul. Right? He transforms him from a murderer into a messenger. Paul was committed to looking for men and women. He did not discriminate in his hatred of the believers. He was looking for them to capture them and have them murdered for following Jesus. He's transformed from that to a messenger of hope and truth and grace that will be shared with thousands of people all the way to this very day in this very moment. Transformed him from a murderer to a messenger. He transformed him from a Pharisee to a follower. Now, a Pharisee, if you're not familiar with that, was, was basically like a super hyper-religious leader in that day. And they weren't gonna follow anyone. They were leaders. People followed them. And I have to imagine a conversation with Saul before his conversion would have been pretty demoralizing. I think you probably would have left feeling like a loser because he would have been better than you. He would have kept all the rules and done all the right things and he would have told you that. And you would have felt like a loser, like a, a real sinner. And yet God takes him in that moment from a Pharisee and turns him into a follower. And he would say, no longer am I leading my life. Jesus is leading my life. I'm gonna follow him and you should too. And he transforms him from this religious guy to a relational guy. From a guy that was consumed with following the rules and doing all the right things to being in relationship with people, to planting churches and to growing up young leaders. He completely repurposed his life, turned him from a murderer to a messenger, from a Pharisee to a follower, and from a religious man into a relational man. Listen to how Paul summarizes what happened to him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you may recognize this verse. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, behold, the new has come. I think he's talking about himself a little bit there. I'm a new creation in Christ. The old me is gone, the new has come. And that's the truth for you and I if we follow Jesus. We become new creations. You watched Heather experience that this morning. Come out of the water, a new creation. The old gone, the new is there. God completely repurposed Paul. I love how he describes his life change to Timothy, which is one of the young guys he was raising up. This is the message translation of what he shares with him. But listen to how Paul kind of summarizes his life. He tells Timothy, I am so grateful to Christ Jesus for making me adequate to do his work. He went out on a limb, you know, entrusting me with this ministry. The only credentials I brought to it were violence and witch hunts and arrogance. But I was treated mercifully because I did not know what I was doing. I didn't even know who I was doing it against. Grace mixed with faith and love poured over and into me and all because of Jesus. Here's a word, Timothy, you can take to heart and depend on. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And I'm proof, public sinner number one, of someone who could never have made it apart from sheer mercy. And now he shows me off evidence of his endless patience to those who are right on the edge of trusting him forever. God repurposed Paul. And I believe he can do the same with you. I believe God can take your alcoholism or your addiction and he can turn you into a sponsor. 
I think God could take your divorce status and turn you into a marriage counselor. I think God could take your failures as a father and turn you into a mentor for younger men. I think he could take your financial failures and use those as mighty lessons to share with others. God can repurpose anything. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that's true? Can he really do that? And Saul turning into Paul is one example of God's ability to to repurpose anything, but maybe you need more evidence. Maybe that simple Bible story isn't enough for you. And so let me offer to you what I think might be God's greatest piece of repurposing work ever. And it is the work that Christ did on the cross. What Christ did on the cross makes Saul to Paul look like a tiny project. You may know this, but did you know that the cross was a torture device? It was invented by the Romans to publicly humiliate criminals and was used to try and discourage others from committing crimes because they didn't want to end up on the cross. And in fact, our word excruciating comes from the cross. Listen to how one writer, one scholar says it. As a matter of fact, the word excruciating comes from the Latin word excruciare. And it was a Roman word meaning as painful as crucifixion. The pain derived from crucifixion was so intense that the Romans had to create a new word for it. And that word is the root word of excruciating. And yet that's not how we think of the cross today, is it? Why would we have torture devices tattooed on our bodies or hanging around our necks? It's because the cross was repurposed, amen? It was repurposed. God took that cross and what was originally gonna be used to torture Jesus and turned it into a message of hope. And now we view the cross as a sign of sacrifice and forgiveness and love. Jesus repurposed the cross. And then think about the tomb. For us, a, a, a burial plot is the end. There is no more with that person. Not with Jesus. He repurposed the tomb. All right, he turned that tomb into a womb and from there new life came. And God officially ended the law of sin and death and promised us that we too can have eternal life if we believe in Jesus. And so he repurposed the cross and he repurposed the tomb. That's some amazing work. You know, I think, I think Jesus would be in agreement with Joseph from the Old Testament. Quick story about Joseph. If you're not familiar with Joseph, he basically was a snot-nosed little kid that would tell his brothers they were all gonna bow down to him one day. Now, as an older sibling, I don't know that I would like my little brother telling me that. Now, I don't think I would do what his brothers did, and that was fake his death, throw him in a pit, and then sell him into slavery. If you're contemplating that with your younger siblings, seek counseling, please. But that's Joseph, right? That's where he was. And he gets sent off into slavery, but actually to become the second in charge in the Egyptian empire, second to Pharaoh, in making decisions on the day-to-day operations of this kingdom. And so God took a snot-nosed little kid and turned him into a powerful leader. And eventually his brothers were gonna face starvation and a famine, and they came to Egypt not knowing what happened to Joseph, 
And through some events, Joseph reveals himself to his brothers and listen to what he says, looking them in the eye. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Is that not what Jesus did on the cross? What was intended to harm him, God repurposed for good, for the saving of many lives. If God can repurpose a torture device and a burial plot, I wonder what he could do with you. I wonder what he could do with me. And so maybe you, maybe your answer to the question is, do you believe God can repurpose anyone, anything? Maybe your answer to that is yes. Okay, you've convinced me. Saul to Paul and the cross, good. He can repurpose anything. Here's the next question for you. Will you allow him? That's a totally different question. One is an assent to agreement. Yes, I agree. That's truth. Next question is, will you allow him? Will you allow God to repurpose your life? That's a powerful question I hope you think about. He's willing and he's able, but will you allow him to repurpose your life, to repurpose your sin, to repurpose your shame, to repurpose your guilt, to repurpose your tragedy and turn it into something that can be used to help other people. And if you are new to this whole Jesus thing, if you're just starting to pursue, your first step is to surrender in baptism. That's where the relationship begins as you witnessed earlier. You surrender in baptism, you become a new creation and then you start to learn what that means and and what changes need to happen in your life. And so if that's a decision you need to make, I hope you don't leave here today without making that decision. But I know for many of you listening, you've been following Jesus for a long time. You're like, I did the baptism thing, checked, surrendered. Okay, 50 years has passed. And some of you still hold on to guilt and shame and fear and regret. And, you, and while you know that God can repurpose anything, you've not really allowed him to do it. You've come to church every Sunday for 50 years, but you still sit in the same guilt and shame and fear that you sat in 50 years ago. And I wanna say to you today, not anymore. How many men sitting in this room right now feel disqualified to serve Jesus because you failed at things? If you're listening online, you've, been, you've just been checking things out and you feel like a failure, there's no way God can use you. Not anymore. I think God can turn those failures into some victories. How do I know that? Because of what he did with Paul and what he did on the cross. Scripture is full of men, riddled with character flaws, and yet God uses those people to change lives. I mean, how many ladies sitting in this room or listening online of struggle with infertility or miscarriage and you carry a sadness in your heart. I say not anymore. Maybe you let God repurpose that sadness and that pain and use it to speak hope into the lives of other women that they too will be okay. Uh, How many ladies listening are living lives as single moms because their husbands walked out and you carry shame embarrassment because of that. I say not anymore. 
Let God repurpose that part of your life and let him teach others that he is truly your provider and your protector. How many of you listening feel like you just don't know enough to share God's word? I say not anymore. Let God repurpose you and take what you do know and use it for your glory, for his glory. Will you allow him? Will you allow God to repurpose your life? He can do it. He's proven it. Question is, will you let him? Uh, you might have heard a song on uh, Christian radio. Raise your hand if you're familiar with Zach Williams. Anybody? Yeah, he had a concert here uh, locally just the other day. But I heard one of his new songs on the radio and it just, it caught me. And it works so well with what we're talking about today. I want you to listen to how he describes God repurposing his life. Listen to the, the verse in the chorus here. He says, the Bible by the bed ain't a coaster no more. It's still got some rings from the bottles before. That red letter mercy put an end to my thirsty. That Bible by the bed ain't a coaster no more. Well, I told my old man I loved him today. He said it back before he drove away. I've been stubborn like my father. You see, we're kind of like oil and water, but I told my old man I loved him today. Yeah, Sundays don't make me feel sad like they did. She don't have to drag me to church like she does our kids. I still got some questions, but I'm counting my blessings. Sundays don't make me feel sad like they did. And this is what he attributes that change to. Here's what he says in the chorus. I guess that's what happens when he chases you down. Everything's different. There's a new me in town. I don't wake up angry at the mirror on the wall. If you miss the old me, well, that's Jesus's fault. I love that catchphrase. If you miss the old me, well, that's Jesus's fault. His power to repurpose can take a murdering religious zealot and turn him into a mighty messenger of truth. And he can take a stick of wood and a hole in the ground and use it for the saving of many lives. What could he do with you? And maybe some of you are listening, you're like, yeah, okay, those are all Bible stories. Of course, those are gonna be true. I can't relate to that because I'm not like them. Well, maybe you're like my buddy Keith who comes to church here and sits out among you just like the rest of you who experienced a road to Damascus moment this year and his life has been repurposed. So I want you to watch Keith's story with me. And as you watch, I want you to ask yourself this question. What can God repurpose in my life? And will you allow him? Let's watch Keith's story together. Psalm 27, one. The Lord is my salvation and my life. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm Keith Lehman. I'm, I'm a follower of Christ. I want to share my story about how God has repurposed my life. I was raised in South Georgia, primarily by my grandparents. My mom had a job where she would leave sometimes. My dad was a drug addict and that was hard to deal with. I felt like I was always looking for something. I started drinking. Um, I never got into heavy drugs, but I was around it a lot. I went in the military when I was 19. That was the time that, that I think I really began to walk away from God. In 1992, I was, I was in Germany. 
and uh, both my grandfathers passed away within five days of each other. The enemy took advantage of that. I became angry. I hurt a lot of people. I was violent. Just not a good person at all. I woke up every day with that shame and that guilt and the fear of more sin, of it becoming worse. And the enemy telling me, I told you, you're not getting any better. I believed the enemy when he said, God's not going to take you back. It's hard to carry that much sin around for 40 years. In March of 2021, my wife and I were church shopping. We kept coming back to OCC. It was coming in and showing up halfway through the first song. As soon as we heard Find and Follow Jesus, we were gone. We managed to go March of 2021 until March of 2022 without speaking to anyone. Good Friday this year, we came to the service and I sat down and I saw the cross. The weight of what Jesus did, it just hit me that I'm 51 years old and my whole life I've known that God loved me, but I did not know how much he loved me. I remember kneeling down to, to put my nail on the cross and he redeemed me. And I laid 40 years of sin and shame and guilt and anger and fear. Those chains were broken, never to be put back together again. And when I stood up, I was a free man. I had purpose and I knew I had work to do for the Lord. And ever since that day, my heart has been on fire for the Lord because of what he did for me. Once I was restored, I knew that, that God was gonna turn my mess into a message. I feel the Holy Spirit in our home. I, I feel the Holy Spirit working through me. Everything is so much better ever since that service. I wake up in the morning and I start my day with a devotion and I thank God for what he's done for me and my family poured out blessing after blessing after blessing. I'm so thankful for what God's done for me.